Hi, I'm Spencer. And I'm Blake. And, and you're, you're about, about to, to Get, get jumped. jumped. Welcome to episode 34 of Blake and Spencer Get Jumped, a weekly podcast where we watch the anime so you don't have to. But you should totally still watch the anime. This week on Get Jumped, we're watching Cowboy Bebop the movie, knocking on heaven's door. Yeah, there's no joke this week. This is just a really, really solid movie. That's let's just, let's absolutely just, correct. Let's just jump in. Wow. Oh my god, man. I, I am so ready to do this. How to deal with your uh, intro. I wasn't expecting shut, you to be all serious. You shut your... You shut your dirty, your dirty, your dirty mouth. <laughs> oh my god, man! So Blake and I had talked about um, uh, a little bit about doing anime movies before we started doing the podcast, just like in general. Yeah, and we didn't know exactly where we wanted to land. We knew that we wanted to eventually do um, episodes for like Patreon goals and stuff like that, but we started wanting to do Cowboy Bebop really early and we had no idea how we were going to handle this. And then we got a post on Reddit. Um, who was the Reddit subscriber that did that? It's Towely and it's Towel I E E E. Um, so yeah. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right, but thank you for listening and for suggesting this. Um, I would yeah. say like Spencer said, we set anime movies as kind of a Patreon goal Um, We haven't hit that goal, but we're still doing this episode because this movie um, kind of was made to fit in canon, which is a little bit different Mm -hmm. than most anime movies. So this one's going to actually be coming out as though it were part of the normal episode coverage. Um, But we were not planning that. So thank you to that Reddit user for suggesting it. Yeah. And can I? No, I was just get going and I'll think of another thing to say. (laughs) Son of a bitch. Anyways, um, so uh, oh, the, and also, the, uh, oh my god, <laughs> I just was gonna. That was just my third time to cut you off. Okay, I'm done. This is my nightmare. Yeah, um, I am your nightmare. So, so when in doubt, um, if you wanted to know something about the show, if you want to talk to us about the show, um, we had a couple of people that we were just talking about who were doing like a little bit of a back and forth on Reddit about how we pronounce the X and Hunter X Hunter. Yeah. Um, and the only reason that I'm doing that is because, damn it, there's an X there. Um, and I don't care if you want to call it Hunter Hunter. We talk about that in the, the podcast a lot. Yeah. And if you want to listen to it and actually comment on it, fucking do it, man. Because we want to talk to you. Yeah. Um, and we can also, like, respect when people are like, hey, this is a movie that fits inside of canon. I know you don't do movies, but are you going to totally do this? And we were like, yeah, you make a really good point, and we totally should, because this movie's fucking badass. It's so great. I had not seen it before this, and I actually ran frantic errands uh, last week to try and find a DVD copy of it, because... I tried to find it online and there weren't reputable sources streaming it. And then I looked at uh, less reputable sources and it was just not going to work out. So I went to go buy the DVD and it was a whole mess. And then I finally like get home and I'm like, it's like hella late. And I watched the whole thing because we're going to record it the next day. And then we couldn't record it because Spencer's wife was sick and he had to go home and take care of her. (laughs) This was going to be like our second episode to record. So like we got Hunter X Hunter or Hunter Hunter for anybody who's really sensitive out there. Um, (laughs) We got that episode recorded and then we were going to do it. But like he had to go and I was like, all right, well, that's fine. That's fine. I'll just be ready for next week. (laughs) 
So I have watched this movie twice in the past two weeks. Um, That's just a great because thing. of, uh, yeah. So I watched it once in the, uh, the dub and once in the sub. Um, I will say I, I didn't, and a lot of people are going to like, uh, I say a lot of people, but people that are listening to this might skewer me for this. Yeah. I'm, but a, I'm ready. I enjoy the dub way more than the sub. Like, I know we've talked about that a couple of times on, about how good the sub, I mean, the dub on Cowboy Bebop is. Yeah. And there, we posted about this fantastic, um, like, dub versus sub thing on Cowboy Bebop, why, like, it's one of the only shows that has, like, a really good dubbing to it. Yeah, um, it's an interesting want- history of the production. We posted that, what, four weeks ago? Yeah, but I mean, I I watched it and the movie just completely holds up, especially uh, you can really, really see it break down even when you get into the minute minor characters inside of uh, inside of this episode. They're fantastically voiced, too. Um, So they really didn't skip a beat with getting good people, even after they they had built up like this whole budget with doing Cowboy Bebop. If you don't if you don't know, like the lore of the creation of Cowboy Bebop, um, the the creator of the show basically ran his production company into the ground because he wanted to pour so much movie, um, so much money into this show. And when it came out, it had like not a, a huge following. It's kind of like a Firefly sort of situation yeah. where it's like it didn't it didn't do great. Which is cool because those are both and... kind of space westerns. Yeah, I mean, and exactly. I that's, think Cowboy Bebop is an explicitly stated uh, inspiration for Firefly, isn't it? Probably. I think uh, so. I but, know that Joss Whedon has gotten inspiration from anime before. I think that's yeah. true, but I'm definitely talking off the top of my head, so I do not have sources. Yeah. So it's it's a great story of like running running so much money into a a anime that is a short release anime. So I mean you can't like develop all of this like cult follow not cult following, but like mass appeal following of it. And you can't like keep on just making episodes and episodes and episodes because it has a finite number of episodes that it's gonna make, right? Yeah. So he does that. It doesn't do great. Then it starts getting a following and then the movie comes out as well. Um, the movie was after they started doing well and they started recouping money. So instead of like just banking it, he was like, no, I have this other story to tell. I'm going to make the fucking movie. And he pours all of this money into the movie and you can fucking tell oh inside of Blake's notes, like, Inside of Blake's notes, there's probably like 50 mentions of like how fucking good the animation is. It's like the show has stunning. good animation, the movie has way better animation inside it of it. It was actually there are two hard different... for me to take notes because I was so glued to the screen. Yeah, there are two fight sequences in particular that we'll talk about through this episode that are just astounding. Um and we'll go into greater detail on that. And one of the my favorite things about this is that the movie was made, and he made money from the movie, and then he just poured that into Samurai Champloo. Yeah, it's just like this artists guy is absolutely get... <laughs> doing it right. <laughs> yeah, it's artists that are just like, no, the whole reason that I'm making money from my art is to do more art. Yeah, and it's just like we, you know, like a bow down to you know a fantastic artist. Yeah. It's pretty awesome, and this uh, this movie is also pretty awesome. So uh, what you need to know for the movie is the characters. We have um, Spike Spiegel. He's our main, main character. He's tall and lanky and extremely skilled in martial arts and uh, 
lots of other things. Um, he is a space bounty hunter along with the other members of the ship, the Bebop. Um, the one that's been there the longest with him is Jet. Jet is a guy with one robotic arm. He has a past as a police officer. Um, Faye joined them early on in the series. She's uh, kind of an, a twist on a, a femme fatale. She's um, very sexual and uh, sorry, very sexually dressed, I guess. Um, and she sort of, she sort of knows how to use her femininity, but she's actually um, just like a con artist and um, is notoriously bad with money. Um, there's also uh, Ed, who comes on about nine episodes into the show. Um, Ed is a girl and is a kind of kooky computer hacker. She's extremely charming. And then the most important character of the show is Ayn, which is a corgi. <laughs> I like that you wrap it up on each one of them with the corgi. I was saving the best for last. Oh, God. You. Anyways, so we're going to jump right in with Cowboy Bebop knocking on Heaven's Door. Knock, um, knock. This came out in, in 2001, I believe. Um, it is... Uh, it is a, a movie that had a pretty limited release and then a wide release. Um, and if you want to get it inside of your movie theater, I looked this up because I was interested. Um, there are a bunch of movie theaters throughout uh, the United States um, that have the ability, if you just ask them to bring in uh, a copy of Cowboy Bebop, the movie, um, for like a short release, um, it just needs enough people to kind of push it. And I, I noticed that and I wanted that because I remember like one of my favorite memories of, uh, like hanging out with Blake was we went and saw Trigon in the movie randomly oh, yeah. when we were in Columbus, Ohio. That was and so great. And it was because these people inside of the city, like they had, um, they had like a university there and they, they like push their university to be like, Hey, if you do like one run of this movie, we can get like 50 people to come see it. And you should totally do that. They do that with high Miyazaki movies all the time too. Um, but anyways, let's just go ahead and get in with the, uh, the, the saddest Chinese checkers player of all time. <laughs> yeah. Not having a great time playing with marbles or some shit. And the narration is like, he's always alone. Cause you never had anybody to play the game with, which is, um, just a metaphor. It's just, um, you'll see, you'll see, just hang on y'all. Just hang on. We'll get yeah. there. Then, uh, then we go ahead and drop in on, uh, this guy that's holding a gun, sitting on top of a counter in a convenience store, waxing poetical at this person that's behind the counter that does not want to get shot. Something about um, beef stew or some shit. <laughs> he's like, really, he's, he's this like, uh, these characters are made to be kind of like dumb, pretentious assholes that rob convenience stores, but also want to tell you how you're doing your life wrong. Yeah, it's just like there's hold also on, bitch. Like <laughs> I, I made it far enough when I was trying to find it online to hear him talk about this uh, in the dub, and then when I watched the movie all the way through on DVD, I watched it in the sub and. There's some interesting slight cultural differences. So if you're curious about the difference between an American localization and sort of the Japanese culture's take on the same idea of like how you make a good stew, uh, mm. check it out. Check out this specific moment where this dude is talking to the woman behind the register. It's an interesting um, side-by-side comparison. And join us next week on Stew Talk with Stew. 
Yeah. Yes. Mm. Stew talk. <laughs> Thank you for tuning into PBS. We're supported by <laughs> viewers like you. Oh my god! I was trying to listen to the radio this week, and they were doing a pledge drive, and I was like, "Fuck this!" <laughs> Anyways, well, they um, are lesbians. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're getting sidetracked. So, jazz plus jazz equals jazz. That's <laughs> where we take two jazz artists and play them at the same time. That's relevant because Cowboy Bebop draws heavily from jazz. So we're uh, on anyways, track. We're on track. So Spike Spiegel is uh, wandering up into this convenience store. He has headphones on and he is pretending not to really be listening. Uh, there's there's a guy that's like watching for the cops outside and he's like trying to get Spike to pay attention. Spike like looks down. He looks down with him and then Spike like cracks him in the head. <laughs> yeah, Spike is playing the part of the hapless passerby who just happened to wander in here but he actually knows exactly what he's doing and very quickly Mm -hmm. takes down most of the people running this heist um jet jumps in to assist and uh you hear them kind of talking back and forth over um over like their earpieces and jet has like i guess been staking this place out or running some sort of like scan or something and he's like okay there's three of them in here and then they kind of like get everybody down and then another dude comes out of the uh comes out of the bathroom and pulls a gun on them and spike just like is pissed at jet and starts talking shit about how jet didn't have good information yeah and this guy that comes out of the bathroom he like takes a hostage it's like this old lady he's holding her at gunpoint and the guy's just like, don't come any closer, I'll shoot this old lady. And Spike's like, Spike just kind of responds that he doesn't really care about yeah. this because he's a cowboy. You definitely don't want to be the like, old lady in this situation. Yeah, so the, the guy's like, what? And he can't really, like, register it. And then Spike Lee just, like, shoots him right over the old lady's shoulder. Yeah, because Spike is just an excellent shot. Um, yeah. So they deal with it, and that's that's pretty much it. It's just kind of a fun intro to uh, to get you revved up for the rest of the movie. And then they have the opening credits, and holy shit, these are amazing. It's literally just, like, little vignettes of a city. Sometimes it's, like, people sitting on a park bench. Like, it's mm-hmm. just people in a city. But the animation quality is so high. It's, like... Everything – so when you watch well-animated episodes, like when Naruto really pl- like pushes their budget or when you watch an anime movie where they put a lot of money into it, usually you can feel the difference because when you're watching a normal show, you get sort of – I don't want to say static movements, but when you compare the movements from a normal television or a normal anime to like an anime movie or a high-budget episode, you can see they have – much more intricate movements. They articulate a lot more. um, And then different things in the environment will move independently. So you'll get a lot more background movement. You'll get a lot more ambient movement. And this intro, it's just cityscapes in some of the most beautiful animation I've ever seen. It is stunning. Like I couldn't look away. And it was the opening credits. Yeah, it's a full it's a full music video too. Oh right, so it's, yeah, it's a full it's, song. It's yeah, so this song that's playing in the background is "What's Good." Um, I think it might What's have a good? different. 
Yeah, and it's it's really, really will get stuck in your head super fast. If you haven't listened to any of the stuff by Yoko Kana and the seatbelts, you sh- totally should. Um, they are fantastic. Um, and this song is is uh, no missing piece. It's it's really, really good. Um, and there are actually a bunch of cameos inside of this opening credit sequence. Um, they did a breakdown of it. If you want to look it up, uh, there's... There's a lot of really cool ones, uh, like some random celebrities and some random people that are like um, the creator of the show happens to be a cameo in one of those moments. It's really cool. Um, if you want to just get a compul- full breakdown of them, they do it um, online in a couple places. I like that. Yeah. So we see Jet and Spike are playing Shogi, which they they refer to as Japanese chess, if you're, if you're having trouble with it, which is for all intents and purposes, what Shogi is. So um, they're playing and Jet is very focused on the game and he's taking it really seriously. And Spike is being really cavalier about it. And Jet chastises him for exactly that. And is like, you know, you need to focus on the game. Shogi is all about planning ahead and, you know, trying to think a few steps ahead of your opponent foreshadowing yeah it's great <laughs> and it it's also kind of ironic because spike has been shown to i'm the ghost this, of foreshadowing it, it's sort of like <laughs> we saw earlier just now when they bust up this heist <laughs> that like spike holy shit spencer <laughs> so spike he's really good at seeming to be somebody without a plan but actually being really focused and really directed um he often will fly by the seat of his pants but he also often just looks like he is but he he knows what he's doing um so there's a a little bit of irony here and i was actually expecting this to be a scene where jet makes a move and then spike puts him in whatever the version of checkmate is for shogi and that does not happen because it's much more of a metaphor right now than it is a joke. Um, but yeah, it's definitely some foreshadowing going on. Yeah. And we're uh, about to jump into the main character of this, uh, or the main villain. We are about to see him in action for the first time because Faye is flying around. Um, she is looking for a small bounty head. Um, he's supposed to be like this young guy who is a hacker. Um, and yeah, and she's just flying around looking for him. She sees somebody on the bridge that's where he's supposed to be, and it's just kind of like this tallish guy. He's got he's kind of like um he looks like he might be uh like a, a mixed guy or something like that. He really also looks like from. he looks like uh Ichigo Zanpakuto from Bleach. Oh yeah, he, he looks so does. much like that. I wonder if the Zanpakuto was kind of designed off of that or that style of yeah. character. He's got like sort of wavy black hair that's long and falls down or over and around his face. And he's really tall and um, wearing a lot of dark clothes and he has a very serious expression. Yeah. And so he's walking in front of a truck. Um, he says something innocuous and then the truck explodes. Um, and we also see uh, he's got I- some tattoos and that'll be important later. Yeah, and Faye uh, tries to fly after him. Um, we get this breathtaking shot that happens right after that where you watch him step over the side of a bridge and then fall, and then it comes over the bridge, and he's just not gone anywhere. You don't see him hit the ground. You don't see anything. He just yeah. kind of he's disappears just like some kind of mysterious specter. 
Um, we we learn from news reports that this is suspected to be an act of biological terror. So this was not just a, a truck bomb on a bridge. The truck was carrying some sort of chemical agent, and it is starting to spread a disease that is putting a lot of people in the hospital. Um, it's spreading yeah. through the air, and people are getting really, really sick. Um, yeah. Then, then um, we get instant ramen of the future, which is really oh cool. I loved okay. this touch. It's just normal cup of noodle ramen, but instead of like pouring in water and putting it in the microwave or whatever, it just has a little tab on the bottom, and you pull the tab, and then it's done. And it's totally futuristic, and it's just the tiniest little thing, and I loved it. Okay. I want Calm instant down. ramen of the future. Anyways, so they talk about how they haven't really earned a lot of money and they're not going to really earn a lot of money in a while. Spike complains about wanting beef. What's new? Um, and then uh, on the television, it comes up and it says that they are offering a $300 million um, uh, dollar or whatever bounty on yeah. this guy. What is and it, everybody rupees, crowds around rupees. the screen. I don't know what it is. I don't know what their currency yeah. is. They all crowd around the screen. They're like, "What?" And then you have I, uh, you have uh, Ed, and Ed's just like, "Meh." Yeah. Also, we're definitely gonna have to start calling Spike. Spike, where's the beef, Spiegel? Because that's his whole deal. He just needs. Yeah, beef. he wants to know where the fuck the beef. Where is, is the fucking beef? Yeah. So and it works on so many levels because he yeah, loves to fight too. So that's he wants accurate. Beef. It's just, yeah. um, it's just inspired. I'm really proud yes. of us right now. So there's a lot of people inside of this hospital that have come down this this disease. They can't figure it out. And then uh, a doctor is going to mansplain to us all the things that are wrong with these people yeah, um, about the, these viruses. We, can, oh, we man, get some symptoms. And basically the important thing is that there's um, – their lymph nodes essentially are being – are acting weird. And that will come up later. Yeah. The lymph thing that frustrates me the most without this is that like – um, they do this inside of television shows too about doctors where like the doctor will explain in like the extreme, like the, they'll explain like what it is after they give the name of it as if everyone around them is a layman. And they sometimes do that when they're talking to other doctors. I know. And I, 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 I saw that and I was just like, I was just like, that's such a douchey way to respond to people. Cause yeah. if I was working there as a doctor and somebody was like, yeah, it's whatever, whatever's disease, which is this disease. I would be like, yeah, I know you don't have to tell me. <laughs> yeah, but in this instance, it's okay because he's talking to a detective, so the detective might not know. Um, yeah. So the uh, the Bebop crew, they are on the case because they want that money, and Spike is searching around town and runs into the three old guys. You remember them, right? Mm, yeah, the three old guys that talk about always digging the gate. Um and yeah, they they're make in a quick little many cameo. episodes, and before Spike actually talks a... to them directly in this, which is great. Yeah, before, uh, well, after this, there is a great character that's introduced. Um, he is a um, in I think it's like they call it Morocco Town or something. Yeah, um, something like that. I wrote it, down Moroccan it, Village, but I don't know if that's the exact name they gave it, but it's really close. Yeah. So it, it's in um, it's in Neo Mars um, or like future Mars city. Um, 
what what goes on inside of this city is that it's kind of broken up kind of the way you would expect Manhattan to be broken up where you have like little Italy little you know um, you have Chinatown you have Greek town you have all of these different um, these different areas and apparently this area is like the Moroccans from earth settled onto this part of Mar like the main Martian town. Um, and, um, he's looking around and he keeps on asking people if they know where, um, to find beans and by beans, he means something else, not just beans. He's actually talking about buying like drugs or a weapon. And I, I kind of missed how they picked up on this lead and got this slang, I'm assuming that they that there's a quick line earlier about how like they know that this dude they're after is dealing in the drug trade or something like that, and they have sort of knowledge of this terminology. But I that threw me for a minute. I was like, what are they talking about with beans? Because whatever mm-hmm. setup it was, I was probably distracted by the just the beautiful animation and missed the See, subtitles. I'm not sure if they actually even talk about that in Southern movie because, like, I've watched it a couple of times and uh-huh. I haven't noticed that. Maybe. So I'm wondering if it's just it's just like slang inside of the future where like Spike notes about it because he's you know part of the underworld and he used to be part of the syndicate which dealt with the drug trade. So yeah. he would know he would know how to do like a breakdown of this and he would know that there's different parts of the city where people sell things that they should not be selling on the black market. Yeah, that could be. Um, so he. Follows this guy, and I don't. I didn't catch this guy's name. I think they maybe say it later, and I didn't write it down up here. But um, they follow this guy, uh, or sorry, Spike follows this guy, and um, he is trying to get these beans. They take. He kind of takes them on this like circuitous path through the Moroccan village, and then um, they finally end up in this sh- like cramped shop that they had to crawl through um, a needle's eye to get to, and. Um, they they're just surrounded by all these vases and then like the guy gives spike a vase that he says looks good with his aura and then leaves and spike's like no wait i wanted one of those i wanted the beans and he goes to follow the guy but he's vanished in the crowd and then spike notices this woman passing by him that um catches his attention briefly but then she's gone and spike is completely lost this guy and he just has this giant ass base now yeah um then we cut to um vincent and a hacker driving around in a car the hacker is one of my favorite characters inside of this movie he is ridiculous um he is obnoxious he has a ridiculous british accent in the dub version oh really um yeah, he does. Um, and he also talks about this really cool thing that I had not thought of until they started talking about it, which he's playing a 2D game, and he's talking about how like good 2D games are, and he's like... It used to be you could hack anything inside of the past by just using like very simple methods, but in the future we have to use all of this crazy high tech um, software to get into everything. And I wish things are just easier. I see why people enjoy this game. And then like a police officer pulls them over, and he's like, "Hey, you can't come through here. We've been looking for some bang." And he's just like, "Vincent kills him so fast." Yeah. But to your point, um, it is true. Hacking was so much easier in the past. You could actually hack your way through time. Oh, yeah. That's true. Yeah. Man, that but movie is so you stupid You have to watch good. out for the laser raptors. Yeah, it's stupid good, as in it's stupid so and also good. <laughs> They're trying to, like, gear up for, like, a like a 
full-length feature release version of Kung Fury, and I am not happy about it. Uh, Wait. Why? <laughs> I don't know. They, I, I could see it being good. It absolutely has potential, but it is way more likely to be a train wreck. Um, mm. So not excited about that. Anyway... Um, we see Jet watching a Western at a drive-in with a contact of his. Um, and they're just kind of discussing the case a little bit. This is Jet's version of pursuing the case. But I loved this section because um, the Jet's contact says something that I thought was really profound. There's actually a couple of, a couple of lines from the movie that like really, um, really hit home with me. And this was the first one where he's kind of talking about what it was like to be a police officer in the past and why he's retired. And he, he says in those days, the sheriff could see, or, or sorry, he's talking about um, the sheriffs in the, in the, um, in the Western. And he's like, that was such a different world back then because in those days, the sheriff could see his enemies and on, on the screen, the sheriff, it's one of those like classic gunslinger face-offs in the middle of town and the sheriff's facing off against the villain and they're doing a quick draw contest. But it it's so interesting from the perspective of them in the future trying to you know be bounty hunters for these mysterious people um but also i think to like our situation in the world right now you know like we're dealing with lots of um cybersecurity issues on a global scale and there's a lot of sort of mysterious forces at work i think that are hard to pin down and and this idea that like you know, in the past, things were simpler because you knew who was after you and you could face them head on. Um, it really just hit home with me. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so, um, so it's time for Big Shot. And this is the best episode of Big Shot that there will ever be because <laughs> they they are doing a bit about riding through the sunset and in order to do it, they get super fake looking horses that are basically just like horse bodies and heads that they wear like pool floaties around their waist. And then they kind of like hop up and down to feign galloping and it's not hidden well and it's hilarious and I love it so much. Anyways, um, <laughs> um, we're going to learn about who Vincent is. Um, we we get a, a little bit. Um, a Vincent's little bit, the guy uh, who blew up the truck. Yeah. So we learn that Vincent is the person that we're looking for. Um, they look up the tattoo that they saw on Vincent and they find out that he was part of Martian Special Forces. Yeah. Um, so he they do- is. They do one like of those a commando. Yeah, they do one of those enhance things, which is when they're you're looking at like security camera footage, and they're like enhance that, and then they zoom it in, and then it's like super high resolution, and you can see everything you need. And in this, they do the enhance thing, but it's not high resolution, and they just like figure it out, and it's great, and I totally give it a pass. But that enhance thing is such bullshit. I hate it when people do that in shows and movies. Yeah, it's frustrating because it's just like, you know, if you really wanted to be able to do that, you should just download everything as like a TIFF and then it would be fine. I don't know know that you followed what I was saying, but let's keep going. (laughs) 
Anyways, um, so uh, they figure out uh, who he is, and they also kind of dig around inside of this face, and they find a marble. Um, they don't well, do that. Ed fucking around, jumps inside. <laughs> Ed finds a marble inside of there. Because, of um, course, she does. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, and meanwhile, Faye is out looking around for trouble, um, and she finds, uh, Lee the hacker, and he escapes, uh, by, like, taking over her ship or something. He, like, hacks his way out of the room. <laughs> yeah, he, he is hacking his way through life, and he, he manages to escape her, but she's got a scent now, so she's gonna keep looking for him. Um, yeah. um. So they do discover what's inside of this marble, um, and it contains lymph corpuscles, um, which the doctor earlier said have been affected by the chemical attack. Um, but it looks like these, um, um, so these ones that are out there though, have something like weird about them. So they can like, um, take on microwaves. So they, yeah, they, they, they like, like literally like, microwave the bead to see what happens. And yeah. find out that they, in like, if you microwave the real, like, expose it to, like, microwave radiation, not, like, put it in the mm-hmm. microwave. Which I guess is the same thing, but if you put the lymph nodes under microwave radiation, they would, like, shrivel and die. But for these, they resist it and then suddenly explode. So there's something going on here. Yeah. Uh, we'll figure out more about that here in a little bit. Um, but, uh, so, um, we, we come back to the woman that we saw earlier. She's in, um, in the Moroccan part of the city. Um, and she is with some sort of CEO of a chemical, chemical company and discussing killing Vincent to prevent the spread of this disease. Um, I can't remember the next, the next part is where he fights her in the hallway. Yeah. Or is that Spike? Uh, is infiltrating this chemical company. I don't remember exactly how they figured out that they needed to look into this, but um, they figured out they are going to look into this exact chemical company. So Spike has procured a janitorial outfit and is pretending to be a janitor in the hall. And the woman walks past him and totally recognizes him from the Moroccan village earlier. And they get into a fight and it's great. Yeah. This is the honorable mention fight. Um, I, I only say that because this woman is so completely outmatched by Spike. Um, Spike is obviously playing with her. Um, he, he's kind of flirting with her the whole time too. Um, which yeah, is a he's little bit, uh, immediately got a thing for her. Yeah. And he's fighting her with a broom. Um, he keeps on like popping it up and down while she's got like a gun and is trying to attack him. Um, and he's like knocking it out of her hands, like spinning around the broom, breaking the broom, flipping over things through the hallway. It's pretty good. Um, yeah. it's, it's a, it's not the most like insane of fights, so I only give it an honorable mention in comparison to these other fights. Though you'll see when we get to them, especially we say this all the time, but watch this fucking movie. Yeah, if, no, if for nothing else, look up Spike versus Vincent, uh, Ugh, the first so one or the second good. one, yeah, because both. they're both fucking amazing. But like, it it is a little bit hard to find it. There are clips on YouTube, so if you just want to catch little bits and pieces to see what we're talking about, those are abundant. If you're looking for the full movie, that's a little bit harder to find. Like I said earlier, I couldn't find it. I have access to Netflix, Hulu, and Amazon Prime. I couldn't find that. I checked in with some people that have Crunchyroll and Funimation. It's not on there either. Um, Mm -hmm. So I ended up having to buy it. Uh, 
I found it pretty easily, um, but I did have to kind of go out of my way to a used DVD store. Um, and I live in Chicago, so I I have more resources than you might have if you're not living in a big metropolitan area. Um, so yeah. it might be a little challenging to get your hands on this, um, but it is also um, you can order it online for pretty cheap. Yeah, and um, the the other thing that he finds out during this fight too is that she has a tattoo, the same tattoo that Vincent has, and so um, yeah, yeah. So he's like, "Oh, well, she must have been part of the same forces." Um, meanwhile, they find out that the um, they sent out a universal message. Yeah, um, the Vincent and, and Lee hack everything and are like, "Hey." We're we're terrorists. That's it. That's what yeah. they say. <laughs> Verbatim. And Jet figures out that it's not just these like lymph nodes. That's it's not you know like a normal lymph node. It's actually like these micro robots that are going to be inside of there, um, and they're te- tearing apart these lymph nodes. Yeah. So they they're basically nano machines that pose as lymph nodes until it's too late. So now we get the most delightful part of the movie, which is Ed and Ayn going out hunting. It is charming as fuck. Ed is ridiculously whimsical and kind of slapdash and very impulsive. And Ayn is a corgi. And it is delightful. (laughs) I could have watched 25 minutes unbroken of this. It was great. And they, they're doing – you see them, like, investigating. And, like, I remember they, like, knock on a dude's door and he, like, shoots a gun off to make them run away. And it's just, like, these little moments of them sort of comically attempting to investigate where the hacker is. And it's just oh, – it's so funny and it's so good. Yeah. Vincent, like a true villain, um, once he uses a henchman, he kills them. Um, he I, yeah, breaks I guess- one- Sorry, I didn't write down. So we're skipping ahead a little bit. So Ed and Ayn discover where Lee is, and they tell mm-hmm. Faye. And then Faye finds Lee, and Lee tries to escape her or something. But um, Vincent shows up when Lee's trying to get out, and then he kills Lee immediately. I don't remember. Does he inf- – he infects him, right? He breaks Oh, one yeah. Of- he takes – he so, takes the marble and he shoots the marble. Yeah, he's and got like marble, a like, ton of these marbles. Like they found one in the vase yeah. earlier, but there's a bunch, and Vincent has them. Yeah. So and he's like, if you're if you're gonna do that, you're gonna kill yourselves. And he like smiles this kind of like wry smile, and then he like breaks one of them, and Lee dies, and Faye also gets infected, um, and then she like she like takes a moment, and then she passes out as well. Yeah, she starts to see these sort of, like, glowing, fluttering images in front of her in front of her face, and she tries mm-hmm. to attack Vincent so that she can get away, and mm-hmm. um, she manages to shoot him in the hand, and then there's a really uncomfortable part where mm-hmm. Vincent has been shot in the hand, and he's bleeding, and he sucks the blood from his hand and then kisses Faye and it's real, real sexual harassmenty. Um very Harvey Weinstein of him and it's not okay. But yeah. what he's doing is transferring his blood to her 
like a vampire or some shit because he is in fact immune to these nano machines. And so by her ingesting his blood, which is so gross to even think about, but by her doing that, she is, um, she becomes immune as well. So she stops dying from these nano machines. Mm-hmm. Um, then there is this sick ass chase scene and we get so to good. fight number one. So Spike is chasing down Vincent, um, while trying to find Faye. Um, and he finds Vincent when he gets to this part where, so it's, so it's Spike and Electra and, um, and Vincent on this train. And Electra, Electra is, is that con- her name. Yeah. Oh, I didn't write it down until later, so I can't remember. <laughs> yeah. So Electra is confronting Vincent um, uh, on the train, and she's trying to get him to calm down. Spike is trying to get Vincent to just, like, come with him because he wants to know what's going on. And then, like, this all-out fight breaks loose. They're shooting, like, they shoot a lot of times at each other. I can't do this justice. It's it's really just, like, a complete shootout, and then there's a fight sequence, which ends in one of the most fucking brutal... Uh, animation moments that is not bloody so he grabs spike's chest and he like presses his fingers through spike's ribs and turns so he like cracks all of his ribs it's horrible and then holds him up he holds him up to the fucking window and then he's just like die and throws spike through the fucking window (laughs) yeah which they're suspended like way too far above some water uh, mm-hmm. it's horrifying. Um, it, then, uh, what's his face? Vincent throws a grenade that explodes and all the other people on the train react, um, in a way that we've seen before that clearly indicates that they have now been infected with this virus, but, um, Electra is immune. So... Mm-hmm. Uh, whatever the deal is, they're not working together fairly clearly, or at least they don't seem to be, but um, they do have the same immunity. And she is surprised to learn that she's immune. Yeah. And Spike wakes up to uh, old Native American faithful guy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he, we've seen him in the very first episode, right? It was the first mm-hmm. one, wasn't it? And then I think we saw Walk him and in... talk and guide him. Yeah. And then we saw him in... Uh, Jupiter Jazz, I think. I think he's been. Yeah, seen I think a so. I think he's talking to that show. little boy. Then. Yeah, so we've seen we've seen this dude a few times. He's a recurring character, and he found Spike and nursed him back to health. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, this is so good too. I think this is the Native American guy says it. Um, this was another line that I wrote down that like really hit me, and it's uh. The line is, the ship that sets sail either keeps sailing or sinks. And I love that. It's just like that idea that um, once you do something, you can either commit to it or it'll fail. Um, Mm. And it was just... But I mean, like, it can go to shore. No. And, you know, it can can, like shipwreck. You can either keep sailing or you can sink. Go on a sandbar. No, there's only two Uh, options. Did you listen to me earlier? God damn. Um... You could turn that ship into a plane and then have a plane ship. You can't have a um, plane ship. Don't tell me how to live my life. Anyways, <laughs> um, so, um, <laughs> what? Why did you write this down? 
What? What's her oh. face is chastised? I didn't you remember. Talking about Electra? They didn't say her name yet in the sh- in the movie. They don't say it for like another couple of scenes. It's Electra, but they didn't say her name yet, and I was so surprised. She's being chastised for like letting him get away or some shit, and then like I was like, well, what's her name? And they hadn't said it. Mm. Why okay, they got so far without her without dropping it? They, she was literally meeting with her boss earlier. They could have slept it in so easily. Anyways, I'm um, trying to so take Spike diligent notes. <sighs> Anyways, so Spike gets back to the Bebop. Uh, Ed, in the meantime, has hacked into this medical organization, um, and they have broken down that there's like a keyword that they keep on using throughout here, which is macadamia nut. Um, it's some sort of code word, and it means that the Nano War Machines project. Um, yeah, they basically it's, it's are like, like macadamia nut. Like, is like you're a macadamia nut technician instead of nano war machines technician so that nobody knows what they're up to. Mm. Um, mm. There is a scene after this where Electra's trying to figure out what's going on. Um, she gives a blood sample to this guy in exchange for a date you've written down. Um. <laughs> yes, this is uh, time for uh, this is time for how not to treat women with Blake Doris. So here's the deal. This guy's like, I'll do your blood sample, but you have to go out on a date with me. And she clearly does not want to go on this date. And he has clearly asked her this before. And that's not cool. If you ask somebody out on a date, that's fine. You can ask somebody out multiple times. But if you're being a dick about it and giving people ultimatums, like, stop it. Just be a normal person. Like, take no for an answer. Uh, Lots of media shows especially romantic comedies and stuff like that really touts the virtue of being persistent despite the other person not being interested and then by the end they always fall in love with each other this is not how it works don't be an asshole this guy is an asshole don't be like him anyways um stepping back into the movie um vincent uh vincent wakes faye up and um he tells her that like his blood kept her alive um so gross. there's uh she's yeah. tied up too and, and it's like really sexual yeah um spike is figuring out how the virus works there's there's a couple of things that happen in pretty quick succession um yeah. and the virus basically the things- tricks your body into thinking that it's its own lymph nodes and then the nano machines break apart and start eating you alive essentially mm-hmm. it's like the yeah. scarabs from um, the mummy yeah, and one of the things that happens when this happens, though, is that then the it starts to attack your um it starts to attack your lymph nodes. Then it attacks all the way up into your brainstem, and when it starts to attack your brainstem, you start to see like butterflies, which is what he talks about. He's like, "Do you have you seen them? Did you see them? The beautiful blood butterflies from my dream." Yeah. Um, and he starts to talk about how like he can't he can't tell if this is. You know, if he died there, if he's going to live forever, who he is anymore, and he doesn't even know if he's woken up from the dream that was like this hell that he went to on Mars. He asks her if she's ever had a dream that she knows is a dream, but she can't wake up. And then we see that in his past, he and um, his other compatriots in in this special unit were injected with an anti-nano machine as a part of an experiment. So they were in this war on Titan, 
And um, basically this nanomachine virus was unleashed on the troops of both sides. And some of the troops in his unit got this anti-nanomachine treatment. And he he's said to be the only survivor. I'm not quite sure how Electra fits into that um, because mm-hmm. I think she was in the same unit. Um, I'm not sure if this is an unreliable source of information or if she came about a different part of the project. But essentially, they commit a huge war crime by testing essentially chemical weapons. It's not chemicals, it's nanomachines, but it's sort of functionally identical um, Mm -hmm. on these troops and basically killing everybody. Um, And that's kind of one of the reasons why they're after Vincent, because if this gets out, then people might figure out that back on Titan, this is what happened to those people as well. Well, she has a, she, you know, she had a relationship with Vincent. Yeah. Like she was, Maybe romantic? I'm not sure. Yeah, she had a she had a romantic relationship with Vincent, and she was she was part of his the the same Marine Corps. Yeah, so it's she just was like he was out, and they were like experimented on. But it says explicitly that he's the only one that survives. But like she's also alive, so I'm not quite sure where the disconnect is. There is what I'm saying. Well, you see, when a man loves a woman, sometimes they exchange fluids. <laughs> That's not just a man and a woman thing. That happens regardless of your combinations. Well, in this relationship scenario, it is a man, Vincent, and a woman. Oh, my God. (laughs) But I'm just saying, like, it says he's the only one that survives. So she was either not there or that's not an accurate statement, even though she's part of this project. Yeah, she's part of the Marines. That's why he was, like, a, a part of that. But, like... They exchange bodily fluid like he gave blood to Faye. Does that make sense to you now? Yeah, but I thought she was in the core with him on Titan. No. Which is why I was confused. Well, I'm going to stay confused. I will not change my mind. Anyways. um, So, um, uh, Electra is confronted um, uh, as to why she has... She anti nanos in her blood. Uh, she says that they should use her blood to make a cure, um, but they instead take her away because they want no record to come up of her ever existing and there ever being a cure to this and not, for these nanobots to ever exist in the first place. Not of her never existing, but of this chemical weapon never existing. Yeah. And they, it's so fucked. And it's also like, so they're like, this is. She's like, you can make a cure, we can save everyone. And they say, if we make a cure, people will know what happened. If we don't make a cure, there's no record. If there's no record, it didn't happen. And I swear, like, this shit is too real. Like, yeah, that kind of shit definitely for Shirzies happens. And it was really disturbing and upsetting. Yeah. Um, Electra, uh, Electra gets thrown away. Uh, Spike also has been captured gets by this point. thrown um, away? Gets thrown in jail? <laughs> oh, I don't want this anymore. I'm gonna put her in the trash. <laughs> you go here. You're in the trash now. You're in a trash woman. <laughs> Meh, you stay there. <laughs> um... Anyways, um, they... Uh, Wait, how did Spike Electra's get captured? Like, I don't even remember this. What? How did Spike get captured? Spike goes to find Electra and gets captured. He just rounds a corner and they're like, we gotcha. 
Oh my god. Just continue going. Stop, is that, stop, I stop. Okay, talking. I don't remember it. Whatever, Spencer's mad at me. I'm feeling very mm. attacked right now. So, uh, anyway, they're in the cells. Electra is afraid of... Her fear is that they will lose their memories, and specifically that they will lose their memory... Or, sorry, lose their identities. Specifically by either being killed or having their memories wiped. And I think that's interesting that she... She's not afraid of being killed. She's specifically afraid of sort of ceasing to exist because there's different options. Like she might still be alive, but if her memories are wiped, she's sort of functionally killed as far as who she is right now. And that's really interesting and kind of futuristic fear. I like that touch. Um, And so now... Vincent is revealing that he has these nanomachines. The deal with the nanomachines is that they self-destruct after a little while, but Vincent has manufactured a version of them that won't self-destruct. And he mm-hmm. his plan is that he's going to release them and essentially genocide the entirety of Mars. Yeah. Um, so his plan is to uh, put them inside of the water system, um, uh, or he's he was originally going to put them into like the water system of the planet, and they they figured that, that like that might be the way that he was going with this. Um, so he changes his plan and he turns it into this one where he's going to put it inside of these explosives that are attached to these big giant balloons that are ab- above the city. Yeah, they're um, doing like a Thanksgiving Day parade, but except it's for Halloween. Um, yeah. Um, and he's they also, waiting and watching from like this this like big giant tower that's in the middle of the city. It looks um, like mean, the Eiffel Tower. Yeah, like, I think it might uh, be intended to be a replica. Yeah, Faye is still locked up. Um, she is trying to escape. Um, we have uh, Spike and Electra. Um, they are they have broken out by this point and. They are uh, running to get to the Swordfish 2, um, and then she's going to go get inside of, like, the sweet-ass, like, red sports car. Um, Which it but, looks really similar to the Swordfish 2. It's like the Swordfish 2 took a vehicle form. Um, yeah. Which is probably the I don't remember who did the vaccine. Point. What? Oh, um, the guy that was super not okay earlier... Um, Electra gave him her blood. He was trying to coerce a date out of her in exchange for him synthesizing a cure from her blood. Yeah. And so he's got one and they, they take it and they head out into the city. Um, and they are going to put it inside of like the water supply. That's going to like, um, that's going to like rain over the city too, but they get stopped. And so instead, they're going to put it inside of like something else that they can rain over the city, which is these planes. They plan on dropping like the the cure over the city from the planes. Spike has like a pretty sweet like like sword, uh, not sword fight, but like fight um, inside of Swordfish too. Yeah, it's pretty sweet. It's he, really like, good. Um, I, it doesn't make complete sense to me. The army is attacking, and they are really really intent on hitting him and i don't know if they think he's the terrorist or whatever uh i don't remember them mentioning a specific motivation for why they're after him so relentlessly 
but the sequence is stunning to watch, so I completely forgive mm-hmm. it. Yeah, they somehow get all of the, like, cure over there, and they give it to these people that are going to fly the planes over the city as Including well. the three um, old dudes in a biplane, which is just yeah, great. Yeah, they're, they're, like, riding around in these, like, planes, and uh, Spike <laughs> lands the Swordfish 2 and, like, takes a taxi into the city to, like, go up and have, like, a final battle with Vincent. Yeah, um... It's really funny because he he crash lands specifically and like Mm -hmm. skids onto the bridge and like almost crushes this taxi and skids to a halt in front of it. And he just gets out and he's like, oh, pick me up. And it's so great. (laughs) So... Faye, I just I'm I'm in such a rush to get to this fucking fight scene. (laughs) Yeah. So Faye goes to some sort of control room. And she fires off some rounds at the ceiling and claims to be a terrorist. And she says that she wants to rain on the parade, which is cute. That's you do it, girl. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're not um, impressed. So she's just so single-minded right now. So oh, man, there we're I just having want to talk about it so bad. We're having the Thanksgiving <laughs> Day parade for Halloween. <laughs> Sorry, I, this is the exact sentence. This is basically the Macy's Thanksgiving Day parade, except for Halloween and on Mars. So that's the situation we're in. And there's uh... the Eiffel Tower structure, and Spike goes up the Eiffel Tower to find Vincent. And now it's the moment you, who are named Spencer Miller, have all been waiting for. <laughs> Okay, so in anime history, there have been, in my opinion, five really, really, really amazing fights that I've ever seen. Like, five uh, fights that are so well animated that it just, like, you're just completely floored and just have to watch it over and over and over and over again. I've seen this fight sequence probably a hundred times. It's one of my favorite. Um, it is definitely, if not the first, it's like, it's pretty much tied for first, uh, because I loved the beautiful psych fight sequences that happen inside of Samurai Champloo when they're fighting against, uh, the final master at the end. Um, which, and there's like a secondary fight that's happening at the same time. And then, uh, of the same caliber, you have fights like, in Naruto that we're going to talk about a while later, there is a fight between Sasuke and Naruto. If you have seen all of Naruto before, you know exactly which one I'm talking about. Um, if you have, um, ever watched fully Cooley, um, you know, the fight sequence where they're, uh, they're fighting at the end. Um, and, uh, there's, there's a sequence where, um, the final robot fight, uh, we're probably going to talk about that. There's also a fight sequence in um, Neon Genesis Evangelion um, where, like, one of the angels is ripped apart by bare hands. Um, I'm just trying to give you, like, really surface stuff because I want to cover all of those shows as well. <laughs> and we'll get into those. And But I'm going to throw it out there that this one is fucking fantastic. It's amazing. Each one, each one of the sequences inside of the fight is not only, um, like doable by a like a a good martial artist um they are a couple of people have like broken it down online where it's just like you can see each style each like fighting style that he goes to and spike rotates through like four different fighting styles throughout the sequence as well as vincent it's literally choreographed by like two martial artist masters 
who yes. choreographed this fight and they filmed it and then they animated what they did. So it is like extremely authentic. Yeah. And the the other thing that's so sweet too is that they put a little bit of a twist to it because uh um the way that Spike fights is kind of like this down and dirty martial arts style where Vincent is fighting in almost like um uh, god what is the Israeli fight style? Krav I can't Maga. remember what it is. Krav Maga. It's like it's almost like that. Anyways, watch it. I cannot do it justice by explaining exactly what happened to it inside of it. It Just might find it probably the it. most beautifully animated fight scene I've ever seen. And it might be oh the most God. brilliant fight scene I've ever seen, period. Like it is so good. Oh man, every time it like trips me out when he kicks him like in the face twice. Oh my god. He like he like grabs onto his arm and then he like spins up and then he kicks him in the face and then he turns around and he grabs his other leg and then he kicks him in the face with the other leg that wasn't grabbed. It's just so sick. Yeah, it's Ugh. awesome. So eventually Vincent blows the bomb that he has been intending to set off this whole time to unleash the nano machines and Spike starts to see butterflies. But around this time, we also know that the biplanes have gone over the town and they've unleashed the the vaccine. So people are probably going to be okay. It starts to rain, which is good because um, that was Faye's job was to get it to rain because the rain will carry the vaccine through the town more quickly. Um, mm-hmm. And Spike is just kind of at the epicenter of the explosion. So he's getting hit with these nanomachines first. And Mm -hmm. he starts to see these butterflies and Vincent asks the asks if the world that the butterflies showed him when he saw them years ago was real or was a dream. And he basically he basically has lost touch with reality and he's become Mm -hmm. disenchanted with the world as a dream. Yeah. And it and Electra confronts him in the final moment. And she puts Vincent down. Um, she she basically has this moment where she can't decide if he is able to be saved or not. Um, she has has this realization that he is way too far gone to come back, and yeah. she just has to put him down. So she she shoots him, and then she holds him as he like fades away, and uh, Spike is brought out into the rain um, to get. Um, this cure, as we see the like golden flaked butterflies like flying off into the distance, it's just oh man, the end of yeah. this movie is so fantastic. Um, it's 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 a really good culmination of like three plots that interweave together really well. Um, we probably didn't do it complete justice just because of like how Definitely well done not. this movie is. It is so um, beautiful; you have to see it. Yeah, and. One of the things that uh, and and we we talk about this a lot when we're talking about different animes and and um, digging into them and figuring out like what's going on with this. But I would I would say that this this episode falls between episode twenty two and twenty three, I believe, of the series. Yeah, right around um, there. It it, it doesn't it really... have to. Basically, once all four of the humans are on the bebop. Up until the last couple of episodes, um, Big Shot will event will very soon have its last episode. I think that's in twenty three. So pretty much any time between ten and twenty three, you can watch this. But for the most part, people put it between twenty two and twenty three. 
And the reasoning why they do it is because they want to build up the the kind of like um, the plot arcs that are about to come together, which is like the connection between um, Spike dying and Spike having this connection with like Faye. And you have a little bit of touch with this inside of the movie. Um, but the the thing that gets me a lot of times with this movie is that it's not about it's not about a love story. Um, it's not uh, it's not about like just corruption inside of the world it's about a story of a man who was wronged by he's wronged by this thing that he gave his life to and then he thought because he was infected with this thing that basically broke his brain that he needed everybody to come to like this world that he was living in so that he couldn't he was like not going to be alone anymore it's it's really heartbreaking and it's really he's a really really good villain you know yeah he is um it's just yeah. it's a great movie we that's the story of it um we definitely didn't do it justice cuz we're trying to tell you plot points rather than trying to tell you plot points through pacing and actual like visual storytelling so um you will definitely get more out of it if you watch it obviously Um, and the animation on its own is so beautiful. Like, I mean, even if the plot was shit, it would be worth watching because the animation is so great, but, uh, it is actually a really wonderful story. Um, and then they have a nice touch at the end of the end credits, which is, um, at the end of every Cowboy Bebop episode, before they cut to the end credits, the screen cuts to black. And on the bottom of the screen in white letters, there's a statement. And the statement is usually CU Space Cowboy, but they change it up every once in a while. And at the end of the end credits on this movie, they cut to black and they have a statement, which is a question. And that question is, are you living in the real world? And it's a really great touch. And it kind of sums up the the like deep thoughts of the film. And it's really a wonderful cherry on top. Yeah. Anyways, um, stick with us uh, and listen through the credits and you will get a sneak preview of what's going to happen next week. A sneak preview? A sneak preview? A sneak preview? Oh, God. <laughs> Blake and Spencer Get Jumped is made by Forever Summer Productions. With sound editing done by Rashad English of Plain English Productions. He's our level five sound wizard. Our podcast is ad free and we want to keep it that way. If you want to keep it that way too, please consider supporting us on Patreon. Patreon members get exclusive member content and unlock group perks. Follow us on Twitter at BNS Get Jumped. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Blake and Spencer Get Jumped. Or talk to us on Reddit at reddit.com slash r slash Get Jumped. If you like the show, please like, subscribe, and leave a review. Reviews help us chart on iTunes. And remember, new episodes come out every Sunday on your favorite podcast platform. Next week on Blake and Spencer Get Jumped. It's the introduction of the White Walkers. No, that's that's a different that's a different genre. We're we're watching anime Blake. That's a completely different show. You know nothing, Spencer Miller.